Hey, I'm Pastor Dave. Welcome to the Lighthouse. We hope the Lord speaks to you today. Hands and the feet. Well, we have the opportunity uh, now this Saturday uh, to be the hands and feet uh, in the world. So absolutely, we, we definitely want to be going out and, and sharing the gospel and sharing with as many people as we can. Uh, and just before I, I start my sermon, I do have one super quick, uh, exciting announcement, which actually does tie in with the sermon itself, so you do have to listen to this one, undoubtedly, uh, because it will be referred back to at, at some point in the sermon. Uh, but, but yeah, I'll be referring back to some of the, the past sermons that have been taught in the past month or two, uh, one of which being the sermon that I spoke, I think it was about six or seven weeks ago, uh, on the command of joy. So if you haven't heard that, uh, you can go and check it out at lighthouseniagara.com under the media hotbar. Just go down and find a little tab for sermons. Uh, so go give that a listen so you can kind of uh, catch, catch in with what, part of what I'm talking about. But uh, that, that's for the people who, who will be listening online. Um, so, that, so like I've said, uh, uh, we're, we're preparing a media room upstairs. I don't know how many of you guys know that. But uh, we have a bunch of other uh, projects going on with social media and other ventures. And that's, that's with the media team that uh, I'm... I'm helping out with that I'm part of, and so there are going to be a lot of announcements delivered to you guys in the next few months, because I know that at the business meeting we poured a lot of money and a, a lot of support into this, this media ministry, and there's a lot of exciting stuff coming, uh, but the very first in a long list of announcements uh, is coming today, so um, as, of, as of today, or sorry, as of the 1st of August this year, all of our sermons that you guys hear are now going to be available in podcast format. Uh, and so they're available on Apple Podcasts, they're available on Spotify, Google, and Amazon uh, Podcasts. So if you're forced to stay home sick, or if you're out of town, or, or if you're like me and you want to go back, because uh, I so often think about a sermon that I heard uh, a while back, and I think I want to go back because I, I, I want to remember exactly what scripture was, was uh, referred to, or I, I want to remember that one thing that he said, or, or, or so often I find that uh, I like to go back and listen even just a, a few weeks after because I find that when I listen to a sermon again for a second time or for a third time, I'm always catching new things that I didn't hear the first time. It's like when we read scripture, you can sometimes read a verse like a hundred times over and you don't catch anything, but then when it's in season, when you really need to receive of it, that's when God begins to illuminate it to you. And so in the same way, we have the opportunity now and I have the opportunity to, to listen along with my church family uh, to so many of our, our sermons. Uh, so, so definitely go back and give those a listen. Uh, so now that I have shamelessly plugged our, our awesome media ministry team, uh, we can jump into to our discussion for today, which, like I said, relates back to some of those same sermons that I've been referencing in my announcement. And I want to say uh, there is something really cool about God bringing a confirming of his word. Because I'm, I'm sitting over here and I'm listening to what Pastor Dave's talking about uh, with this thing of... of uh, you know, there, there's this one area of your life that you, you, you just know you need to get right with God. And so that, that's, that's, wow, that, that is exactly what uh, uh, this, this comes down to today, is what we're going to be talking about. When we, we talk about the Holy Spirit and we talk about uh, uh, how we understand Him and how we begin to come to, to a fullness of life uh, through Him. And so, for any of you guys who have been here the past few weeks, you've heard Pastor Dave and you've heard Pastor Nathan have both touched on topics uh, such as revival. Uh, this is the word that we received from the outset, the outset, the beginning of this year, uh, that we would desire to see people come to life in Jesus' name 
and, and as well as how we recognize that when we come to life, it means we begin living in the spirit. And then and only then will the blessings and signs begin to follow. That was a, a message that Pastor Nathan spoke on recently. We don't ask God for a sign. We don't ask God for a wonder. And then when he brings that, we say, okay, well, now I can be faithful. No, those signs, those blessings, those wonders, all of those things come out of our faithfulness. When we begin to say, God, you can take hold of my life. You can take control of my life. Then we begin to see those blessings. We begin to see the signs that God is, is being faithful. And, and the more that you uh, are attentive, the more that you are in tune with what the Spirit is doing around you, the more you'll begin to see God moving. It's incredible. When you, when you are, are in that place where you have been uh, listening and tuning your, your ear to the voice of God and, and you, you are uh, going along with heaven's song, you'll see it all around you. You'll see so many incredible uh, small miracles that you might have mistaken if you were in the world, but because you're of the Spirit, because you are in the Spirit, you begin to see how God works, and it's so, so incredible. And so what I feel impressed to speak about today is that God is truly desiring that we would be a body of believers who would not only begin to be brought to life in the Spirit, but that we would begin to depend upon Him daily in every facet, in every area of our lives. And when I say every facet, I mean every facet, every inch of your life, not just the pretty parts, okay? Because I, I, I've known a lot of Christians, and, and I think at one point in my life, I was that Christian who, who gets dressed up in my Sunday best, and I comb my hair, right? And we all know the, the, this, this concept of, of wearing your Sunday best. You put on your makeup, you brush your hair, you put on your big smile, you give a handshake to your neighbor, and you say, hey, how are you doing today? It's so good to be out at church. But that's the area that you let God cover when you go out on a Sunday morning and you begin to, to, to act like the person that you, you would desire to be. Uh, but then you, you, you go home and, and you keep those other certain parts of your life to yourself. Right? He can cover my Sundays, but, but Monday through Saturday, that's when I begin to take, take hold of my own life. Right? And so when I say we need to depend on the Lord, I mean it literally. In Matthew 19, we read of, of a rich man who comes to Jesus, who claimed to follow all of Scripture. He, he says to Jesus, uh, uh, this rich man, he says, I've upheld the whole law. And so he asks Jesus, if I've upheld the whole law, what am I still lacking? What am I lacking, Jesus? Because I recognize that you are perfect, but I'm not. Even though I've done all of these things, I've followed this law, what must I do to be made perfect like you? And in Matthew 19, 21, it says that Jesus answered, If you want to be perfect, go. Sell your possessions and give to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. Then, once you have done that, once you've sold all your possessions, uh, and, and you've, you've stored them up in heaven instead, then come and follow me. And so what we see Jesus is doing here is he's recognizing that there's this man who's very well presented. He's, he's, he, it describes him as a rich man, so Jesus must have seen that he was adorned with nice clothing. His hair was brushed over, and he was giving Jesus his Sunday best, and he was saying, God, I, I, I'm... I, I'd like to think that I follow the law pretty perfectly. So what more can I do to be more like you? How can I be perfect? And Jesus asks him, you know, you, you put on a good show, but what I'm asking you is to be sold out. Fully dependent on God and ready to follow Jesus without this double-mindedness where you're saying, I, I follow the whole law, but, but I can still see that you're, you're dressed so well, your hair is made so, to be so well. You still have a value for all of these possessions. You still have a value for these riches. And you still have a value for this world. You still think that this world is something to be sought after based on the way that you're presenting yourself to me. 
And so he claims to be like Jesus. He claims to be transcended by the spirit above sinfulness, right? He's claiming that he's become above the law in the way that he behaves due to his great faith in God. And so if he is indeed so faithful like he claims to be, he must have done it, right? When Jesus said, okay, now go sell all your possessions and follow me. If you're so faithful, surely that won't be hard for you. So did he sell all of his possessions? No. In verse 22, it says, when the young man had heard this, he went away in sorrow because he had great wealth. And so what I began to think about and what I began to recognize is in this passage, we know that that man was not perfect. He was claiming that he was perfect like Jesus, that he, that he had followed that law so well, and he, he put on such a good presentation. But I'm sure it wasn't true, what he said, that he claimed to follow the whole law, because we know Scripture tells us that nobody in their flesh is capable of following the whole law, right? We're all fallen. We're insufficient. But even if he had, even if somehow he was the one exception, uh, aside from Jesus, who was able to follow the entirety of the law, Jesus still saw the most apparent thing in this man, that, was, that he was not sold out. He was not allowing God to take all of his life, to be reborn, to be revived. He wasn't allowing himself to be baptized both of water, but also of spirit, becoming a new man. There was clearly something by the way he presented himself, the things he wore, the way he, he, he held on to those riches. There was something in his life that he was still holding on to. Jesus, you can, you can uh, tell me how to, how to follow the law, better, but I already follow the law so well. And Jesus says, okay, well, if you claim that you follow the law so well, well, I still see one thing. You, you clearly have this, this thing where you can't let go of this possession because scripture tells us that we need to be dependent on God, but how can we be dependent upon God if, if the way that you're dressed, the way you're presenting yourself, you're still so clung to, to, to your old life, to the things of, of your, your worldly finances? Specifically in this passage, it's said that he left with great sorrow because he could not part with his money. He wanted God to cover some of his life, but not trust him with his finances because he had money for himself. If we have money for ourselves, then, then Jesus can cover this area and this area and this area, but I've got the money, so I don't need God for that. Do you see how that's a lack of faith? Do you see how he was not placing his faith in God? He wasn't depending in the Lord. And so in this way, I think he needed, he, what he only needed uh, he, or sorry, what he believed he needed was not only, uh, he only needed God to follow the law, not to provide for his needs. He could provide for his own needs. He wanted to depend on God, but only a little. He felt comfortable trusting in God for this and that, but not all. He wanted to be semi-dependent. And so this is something that I, I actually learned of uh, in my schooling before I, I ever went to Bible college. Uh, I took a, a social studies class, and it talked about this idea of dependence, that when you're a child, you're fully dependent upon your parents, but there's a period of, of time in your life where you start to grow, and you, you get older, and I'm sure that many of the youth in here can agree with me, uh, that, that there's a, a part of your life where, where you're looking at your parents, and you're looking at the, 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 the strictness, you're looking at the guidelines, you're looking at the curfew, and you're thinking, boy, wouldn't it be better if I had my freedom? And you start to crave this, this thing of independence, but what we're talking about is, with this man is clearly he had some level of dependence on, on God because he, he was asking God, what, what can I do? How can I get better? But what Jesus realized is he only wanted to be semi-dependent. So that's this idea that, that I got from this social studies class where as a, as a young man, you, you grow up, or, or a young man or a young woman, you grow up and you move away from home. 
but you still need your parents to help out a little bit, right? So when you move out, you, you might still need them to help out with your rent every once in a while. And so who's the one person that you always call when, when you're a little short on funds and you need help with, with rent? You, you call your parents, right? And so the way that I can most easily relate with this is, is uh, I'd like to think I'm a pretty independent guy. I, I provide for, for my rent. I provide the food for my, my cupboard. Uh, but Caitlin and I currently, uh, we just... Uh, purchased a, a new washer and dryer, or I guess a used washer and dryer, and within the first uh, couple uses, it broke. Uh, and isn't that always the case? Uh, the first couple uses, and it, it already had broken. And so we'd like to think of ourselves as these uh, independent individuals, but we still depend on my uh, mother and father-in-law whenever we need to, to go and do a wash of laundry. And we'll go and we'll use their, their washing machine, and we'll go and use their clothesline. And so in this way, I'd like to think of myself as, as fully independent, but I can't be. I still depend on my, my in-laws to do my own laundry. And so Jesus, in the same way, is recognizing that this man wants to be so independent. He wants to be independent, or, or at least semi-dependent, uh, that he still hangs on to something. He can't depend fully on God. Jesus goes on to say to his disciples, Truly I tell you, it is hard for someone who is rich to enter the kingdom of heaven. But, I, but might I suggest that this passage is far deeper than just money. It's far deeper than just possessions. It's far deeper than the things that we, we uh, have uh, in our, our bank accounts. But it looks at the heart of man, which is of flesh, which is to be of this world. What Jesus has seen in this man is, is that he is being contrary to the spirit, which means that he's contrary to God. If he's, if he's still living in flesh, he's contrary to the Spirit. If he's contrary to the Spirit, then he's contrary to God's will for him. To make sure we're all on the same page, uh, we're, we're going to be looking at Romans 8 today. Uh, and I'm going to start all the way from verse 1. Uh, there's this really incredible part at, at verse 11. Uh, but what I really want to uh, make sure is we're all on the same page. We're going to start right from, from verse 1. It says, there is therefore no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. For the law of the spirit of life has set you free in Christ Jesus from the law of sin and death. For God has done what the law, weakened by flesh, could not do. By sending his son in the likeness of sinful flesh, and for sin, he condemned sin in the flesh. You're thinking, well, how does that connect? How does that tie in? Well, it's saying there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. The spirit of life freed you from the law of sin and death because we began to live not in the flesh but of the spirit. Jesus came to fulfill what you and your own strength were incapable of, what you and your independence or your semi-dependence could not do. You can't in your own strength come to a place where you have now been made free of sin. And so we say thank you, God, so much for this gift of, of, of grace. I accept it and I receive it. But then all of a sudden you, you start thinking, I, I have to start earning this. I have to start uh, putting rubber to the road. Like, I, I, what, what, what do I have to do? What's my role in all of this? How do I? It's not about you. It's about him. It's about allowing him to do the things that he's saying he's going to do in and through you. That you would depend upon Jesus and the sacrifice he made for you. And I know for many of us, we've already made that, that decision. We've already made uh, the dedication to, to live with God. Uh, but for some of us, we haven't. 
And if you are ready to do that, Scripture says that you must believe in your heart and confess with your mouth that Jesus is the Son of God and that his death was sufficient for your sins. If you're making that decision for the first time, uh, I want to celebrate with you. I want to connect with you. So please reach out to us. Like I said, there's so many links at at lighthouseniagara.com. Get in touch with with me. Get in touch with Pastor Dave. We will get you connected with a body of believers who are like-minded because uh, we want to help you with your walk, right? And because, like Jesus said to the rich man, if you want to be made perfect, not only do you have to sell your riches, but you have to walk with me, right? He did all of these things. He, he, he died, uh, and, and it continues on in this passage that we're reading in Romans uh, chapter 8. And it says, he did this in order that the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us, who walk not according to the flesh, but according to the spirit. For those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh, but those who live according to the spirit set their minds on the things of the spirit. For to set the mind on the flesh is death, but to set the mind on the spirit is life and peace. For the mind that is set on the flesh is hostile to God, for it does not submit to God's law. Indeed, it cannot. And this is the most crucial part. Those who are in the flesh cannot please God. Those who are in the flesh can't please God. And and what he's seen in this rich man is that there's still some flesh there. I'm I'm, I'm ready to let the Holy Spirit cover this much of my life, but there's these dark corners that I can't let him touch. There's still some flesh there. You see, we're not here to talk about independence, and we're not here to talk about semi-dependence. What we're here to talk about is putting off of that flesh, those, la- those little dark corners that you still hold for yourself that you don't let anybody see on a Sunday morning when you get dressed up, when you comb your hair, when you put your makeup on. We're talking about putting off that flesh. We're talking about putting off the thing that, that you hide in the back of your closet. And you have to begin to depend wholly upon the Spirit that in your lives, uh, that, that you will walk by the Spirit, that you will live in the Spirit, and you will allow it to overcome and then you will be blessed. Then, when you depend upon him, not only does it cover all of these things, but you, you see that it begins to replace your sorrow with joy. You begin to see that, uh, that, that dark corner in the back where you, were, you felt so guilty, that thing that you held on to for so long because you didn't want to let God see it, or, or you didn't want to let others see it. You begin to see that that guilt, that shame, that fear, whatever it was that it was overtaking you, suddenly it's replaced with joy. You see, as people, we aspire for independence, right? Like a youth wanting to escape from, from their parent uh, or, or like a, a, an adolescent who, who thinks, these rules are so strict, this is so hard, how do I do all of this? But scripture tells us that being independent of God is not only something we should not take pride in, right? Because as a man, I think I take a little bit of pride about moving out, being able to be self-sufficient. But scripture tells us that it's not something to take pride in. It's, it is instead destructive, to us as children. We've done this blasted thing of treating God as our cover for the areas of our lives that we think we need help in, or, or we treat him as a remedy for our needs, we treat him as a remedy for our desires, and, and we only allow him to cover the areas that we want to grow in. Everyone wants to be loving. Everybody reads scripture and everybody wants to be loving. Everybody wants to be wiser. But why don't we ever ask for patience, right? As somebody who, who spent three years in a long-distance relationship, That was the one virtue I never wanted, was patience. I had to wait so long. I had to wait weeks and months before I could see uh, Caitlin. And as somebody who's now married, uh, I'd never want to go back. 
So clearly I didn't learn enough about patience because I was so ready and willing to let God cover the love. I was so ready and willing to, to let God make me wiser. I asked to be wiser uh, so often. But I, didn't, I rarely asked for patience because I didn't want that virtue. I wanted only to, to ever receive. I only ever wanted uh, to, to be with my, my girlfriend and now wife. You see, everyone loves God when they're sick, but why don't we ever go to him when we're healthy? We always look to God when we need healing. But why is it then when we're healthy, then we, then we can take care of ourselves? Why do we depend on the Lord for our provision until we get a secure job, and then we act like we're the ones who are earning our own keep? Right? Who's the one who put the breath in your lung so that you could push that lawnmower so that you could provide for your children? That was God, and it still is God. He's the one breathing in your lungs today. As people, we get so prideful. We get so unwilling to relinquish control of the things in our lives that we either believe we have a handle on, or worse yet, we willingly persist in this sinful double-mindedness. We still persist in this flesh because it's something we're not ready to let go of. Because we'd rather not have God's covering for them, because that would mean changing. Changing can be uncomfortable. That would mean crucifying our flesh. It's uncomfortable until you receive instead what God has for you. And once you begin to do that, you see not only how destructive that flesh was, that thing you were hanging on to was, that little sin in the back. And when you see how destructive it was, you get to that other side where you allow the Spirit to cover it. You, get to, you allow Him to take it from you. And you see how much better your life is. It's free of guilt. It's free of shame. And all of these things are replaced with perfect joy and with perfect peace. One such example was a topic I talked about a few weeks ago, and I got to share about not only the value of joy, but the command of joy, right? I didn't want to come up here and, and, and let people know uh, that, that life is all joy. What I wanted to come up here and let you know was it's a command, right? It's not, a, it's not something that God is saying, oh, your life will just be joyful. Whenever you need joy, just come and ask, what it was is, you need to begin delighting in me. Once you begin to delight in me, then you receive. Then you receive that joy. Then you receive that blessing. That little thing that you're hanging on to that's holding you back. You can't receive the joy just because you ask for it. You have to delight in the Lord. It's a specific command. You don't just joy. You don't just receive. You joy in the Lord. Because once you, you see that there is something that is so much better for you, you have to actually aspire for it. You have to actually go after it. You have to actually ask God to take these things that are destructive from you. You have to relinquish the control. You have to get rid of those riches. You have to get rid of those things that Jesus is saying, you're not sold out enough yet. If you were really sold out, you'd let me cover that. You'd let me take that from you. And at the root of this sermon... I talked about joy as a command, but a, a crucial part of that, that command is, is that there's a fruit of the Spirit called joy. Why are you limiting God to be your miracle worker? He works miracles in this church all the time. Let me tell you, I, I come in for prayer uh, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. Uh, we, we still have prayer, I think, just about every single day here. Uh, on Monday nights, we have men's prayer. On Tuesdays, we have a women's prayer. On Saturdays, Pastor Dave is still praying while the young adults, or, or just before the young adults get here. And of course, on Sunday morning, we have people who come before the service. They begin to pray over it. And so we come in so often to hear prayer. And as somebody who, who is in this church so often, hearing the prayer, I also get to hear the miracles. 
I get to hear the testimonies. I get to hear every incredible thing that God is doing in this church. And let me tell you, he's moving. He's moving and he's working in this congregation. But how can you receive of that joy? How can you receive from that if you're not ready to relinquish? If, if, if you only are looking for, that, for God as that miracle worker, which you might be mistaking and you might not be recognizing, is that God's with you regularly. God is not there in the dark times only. He's there with you each and every single moment, and he sees you at your lowest, and he doesn't want you there. He doesn't want to see you low. What we might not be recognizing is sometimes we're the, we're the ones putting ourselves there. We're the ones who are hurting ourselves, and we're not allowing God to just take it from us. We go to him when we need to be released from that sin when it gets to the darkest place. When we could have saved ourselves so much headache, we could have saved ourselves so much hassle, we could have saved ourselves so much trial, so much sorrow. Which you may not have recognized it, but that sermon I talked, uh, or I spoke on, which was the joy as a command, it was directly in line what we have been talking about with revival, the coming to life and living in the spirit. I spoke about how we all want to be joyful but we don't want the uncomfortable period of growth. The relinquishing of control to the Holy Spirit, that we would begin to live in his spirit. And once we do that, then we see the joy. Then we see the blessing. Then we see the signs, just like Pastor Nathan spoke about. We know what makes us happy, so we go after it. But happiness is a lie. What I read in Romans 8, uh, and, and as I begin to read Romans 8, what I realize is that we have a misunderstanding of what living in the Spirit is. For many of us, when we think of the Holy Spirit, we think of Pentecost, which is Acts 2. And what we imagine is these tongues of fire, we imagine mighty power, and we, we, we see speaking in tongues, and we see people who are, are working powerfully in the, in the Spirit. And that is the betrayal. That is the betrayal in Acts 2, 1 to 4. It says in that passage, when the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Suddenly, a sound like a blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them then were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in tongues and as the Spirit enabled them. It sounds so jarring. It sounds like such a, an, an incredible event. It sounds so momentous. It sounds like it never happens anymore. It sounds like I've never seen something like that. And so that's what we, we limit the Holy Spirit to in our minds because we think, I've never seen somebody have a tongue of fire above their head. I've never felt these, these, these mighty, powerful, rushing winds that are, are pushing the shutters off of the windows because that's not what the Holy Spirit always is. If we put a limitation on what the Holy Spirit can be, then we don't understand, we don't recognize. So I want you guys to remember Pentecost because we're going to return to it. But you see, the baptism of the Holy Spirit isn't an, isn't an event. The Holy Spirit is not an event for you to, to, to go uh, to and, and to see. And, and then once that event is over, then you walk away. The Holy Spirit isn't, doesn't end. 
What the Holy Spirit, the baptism of the Holy Spirit is, is it's not an event intended for miracles, but it's an opening of God's blessings upon you. It is a pouring into the Spirit. It's a pouring into the, the person, the believer, that wells up within us, and it empowers us for works of miracles, yes, but also, and importantly, that you also enter into right living and right relationship with God. And this happens through the Holy Spirit, who is the paraclete. And as I say the paraclete, I, I sometimes, uh, I'll see faces go, you're speaking English up until that last word, and, and you guessed it, because Pastor Joel is speaking, it means there has to be a Greek word study. So here's your Greek word study of the day. Uh, it's paraclete. Um, and it is something that I absolutely believe is crucial for understanding as believers, and for your understanding, uh, for your relationship with God and your understanding of the Holy Spirit. It's crucial that you understand this, this meaning, this word paraclete. Because many misunderstand the Holy Spirit to be this, this omniscient, omnipotent force that you only seek when you need healing or, or a miracle that you go to, to to receive baptism so that you can speak in tongues or that you can see all of these miracles taking place as though the Holy Spirit is isolated to these events, as though the Holy Spirit is isolated to something that you seek uh, at one time, when in all actuality, the Greek word of the day is, is paraclete, which is a two-for-one. It comes uh, from the word uh, parakletos, which is a combination of two Greek words. So the koine Greek word parakletos is actually a combination of the, the Greek word para, which means beside or alongside of, and kaline, which is to call. And so when we ask for the Holy Spirit, what we're doing is we are asking God and we are calling out to God and welcoming God to come alongside of us. That's what the Holy Spirit is, people. It's, it's, it's your advocate. It is your comforter. This is quite possibly my favorite Greek word in all of Scripture because it paints this beautiful image of what the Holy Spirit is intended to be understood as. As we look to him for personal relationship, that's what the Holy Spirit is. Seeking God in personal relationship and allowing him to pour into you so that you might be able to enter into right living and right relationship with God. That's the Holy Spirit. That's what it says in Scripture. John 14, 26, it says, But the Helper, the Comforter, the Advocate, the Intercessor, the Counselor, the Strengthener, the Standby, that is the Holy Spirit, whom my Father will send in my name, in my place to represent me and act upon my behalf. He will teach you things, and he will help you remember everything that I have told you. That's who the Holy Spirit is. I didn't see miracle worker. I didn't see healer, although he does heal. What I saw was comforter. What I saw was advocate, intercessor, counselor. He is there for you. He cares for you. And he's sent in Jesus' place to act on his behalf in each and every single one of our lives so that we might be able to be urged towards right living and right relationship with God. In the same way, God is saying to you, not only do you not have to suffer with what you're suffering with alone, but what you need to begin to do is pray for opportunity that God will use you in whatever season you find yourself in. That you would ask for this Holy Spirit to come alongside of you and to begin to operate within your life. He would be, you would begin to enter into relationship, right living with God, and he would come into your life and you would see and be urged in, in powerful ways to begin operating with what, within what God has for you. That you would be sold out 
That you would allow the Holy Spirit to cover those areas that need covering. Just as, faith, just as God is faithful to provide you the Spirit as your comforter, as your advocate, uh, in times when you are, are in, in sorrow, and in, in, in whatever season you find yourself in, He's there in victory. He is there for you each and every single moment, even when you, you don't recognize that God is there. He's with you. He watches over you. He sees what's happening. And suddenly, when God is in the furthest back place of your mind, you begin to become unctioned. You become urged by the Spirit to go and talk to that person in front of you. And you think, oh my goodness, that's not me. That's a stranger. I would never talk to that person. But God is saying, they need to hear these words right now. He provides you with opportunity to be used even right now. He's watching over you. He longs to provide us with the paraclete, which brings us joy in times of trial, provision in times of need, faith in times of hardship, but he's also our advocate. You know, sometimes when you just don't have those words to speak, sometimes when you just don't know what to say, you say, I need an advocate. I need somebody to go to the Lord for me. God, I, I don't know what's going on. I don't understand. I need the Holy Spirit in this moment because I don't have discernment. I don't have understanding. None of this is making sense to me. And the Holy Spirit will begin to advocate on your behalf. God, look at your son. God, look at your daughter. Look what they need. When we go to God in prayer, he provides these tongues and so, so many people become intimidated by this idea of tongues because they think, they see these people who, who are, are overcome by the Holy Spirit and they begin to talk out in, in, in what they perceive to be gibberish because they can't discern. But God is also for the good. The Holy Spirit is also for those good seasons in your life when you don't only uh, find yourself in the lowest point in, in your life, when you find yourself in trial, when you find yourself in sorrow. We recognize that the goodness of God is, is always present and it's always there. And when we begin to see the goodness of God, what do we want to do? We want to worship. We want to praise. We want to honor him. But we cannot in our own words say enough good about how good our God is. The things he has done in my life, I could never put into words the incredible things that God has done for me. I cannot say enough of his glory, and so I begin to speak in heavenly languages. Because the Holy Spirit uh, will allow me to speak in these heavenly languages and pour out praise and worship and honor to God in ways that I could never express. The Holy Spirit is there at all times. He's there with you when you're at work. He's there with you in the, in, at home at the grocery store, in the mundane of life, he comes alongside you, and yet we treat God like he's for special occasions, right? We treat him like the china that's at our house, and only when, when grandma's coming over or when the guests are coming over, then we can pull out the Holy Spirit, right? Whenever I need a healing, whenever I need this, whenever I need that, then I'll go to the Holy Spirit. He's there all the time. He's there the whole time. Why don't you allow God's covering in your life for all things? If the Holy Spirit is the paraclete, he wants to come alongside you. That you might never be separated from God's blessing and favor to bring you joy in all of your living. Who wants to be faithful. He wants you to pray for opportunity. Because I promise you, there are profoundly unique ways that you can be working for God even now. And so then let's return to Pentecost. Because we think of this momentous occasion, and that's exactly what it was. 
the importance of this occasion has been touched on by Pastor Dave even just recently. He spoke of this as a, as a day where a handful of disciples had the Spirit poured out upon them, and they began to speak in tongues, and this miracle takes place where, where I believe in the room there was as small as 120. In all of the Roman Empire, there were about 120 counted believers at that time. And in that day alone, it multiplied to 3,000. And that was a momentous occasion. But did they leave the Holy Spirit behind after that day? No. The Holy Spirit's power in the Roman Empire, was, uh, was the whole of the Roman Empire was converted. And the word was brought out on that day in Jerusalem. And it's brought out from Jerusalem into Judea and into Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Right here to Niagara Falls, Canada where thousands of years later, believers are still gathering in Jesus' name, just as it was prophesied in Acts 1.8, right before Jesus ascends into heaven. And he's saying these things to the disciples in Acts 1.8, that you will uh, go out uh, from Jerusalem into Judea, into Samaria, and all the ends of the earth. And it sounds like a command, but it's actually a prophecy, because he did command his disciples to do that, but he knew they would, and he knew what was yet to come. He knew that from Jerusalem, they would go into Judea, then Samaria, and then all the world. And look where it is now. Look at the power of the Holy Spirit. Do you believe that the disciples stopped operating in the Holy Spirit the day, uh, like for their daily living after that? We at times come to the altar for healing or for a touch from the Holy Spirit when we need it, and then we go on our way. Let me clarify, there's nothing wrong with coming to the altar when you need hands laid on you. When you need prayer for healing, when you need prayer for the darkest moment of your life, there's nothing wrong with coming to the altar. I'm not saying don't do that. What I'm saying is when you come to the altar, recognize that the hands that are, are being laid upon you uh, and, and, and uh, the Holy Spirit is poured out upon you, remember that when you leave that altar, the paraclete still comes with you. Right? That Holy Spirit isn't poured out on you for one moment, and then that moment's over. You feel a little bit better. There's a miracle that's worked. That situation gets better, and then you forget about it. That's not what we're talking about here. The paraclete goes along with you. He comes alongside you always. And what we don't always remember is that the, par the disciples didn't pray for the Holy Spirit one day. It's not like they went to that upper room, began to pray, had the Holy Spirit put upon them, they went out, they did the miracles, that was it. No, in all actuality, this was the culmination of months spent in the upper room because Jesus told them to wait for the Holy Spirit, that it would be poured out upon them. And so they prayed for months and months and they waited. That's daily living, waiting months and months for that move of the Holy Spirit. And then when they did, they continued to pray in the Spirit. Paul talks all the time about how often he prays in, in the Holy Spirit, that he would wake up and he would pray in the Spirit. He said that he prayed in, 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 the, in tongues more than any. He didn't leave it on the day of Pentecost behind uh, and then move on with his life. He relied on God for his daily living. He relied on the Spirit and he began to live in the daily Spirit, or in the Spirit daily. And so we know that thousands of years later, we're receiving a word from God that we need to be revived. We need to come to life again. We are receiving a word like the disciples did that we need to wait upon the Lord and see what kind of powerful things will take place when we begin to actually live in the Spirit. 
not just seek it once, live in the Holy Spirit and be brought back to life daily. They continue to pray in the Spirit uh, for, for their daily living, and so we must do the same also. We must be brought to life with the Holy Spirit so that we can see powerful works taking place in our lives each and every single day so that these things, these dark corners in the backs of, of our lives, those things get covered and we see that how God begins to work in our own lives and we see that and that faithfulness is multiplied and then we go out. We have the opportunity to go out this very Saturday and see what kind of powerful things the Holy Spirit can do. We return now to, to Romans 8 for perhaps one of the most incredible testimonies because I'm talking to you guys about how the Holy Spirit worked on Pentecost in these disciples. But let me tell you about that same Spirit. It says in Scripture, uh, starting uh, Romans 8, starting from verse 9. However, you are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit. If indeed the Spirit of God dwells in you. But if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, he does not belong to him. If Christ is in you, though the body is dead because of sin, yet the Spirit is alive because of righteousness. But if the Spirit of him who was raised Jesus, or sorry, if the Spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give you life to your mortal bodies through his Spirit who dwells in you. I think this is one of the most profound things I have ever heard. And, and one of the things that you, that you can think about and, and, and know and, and recognize, but until you stop and begin to realize that the same Spirit who brought Jesus back to life, which redeemed all of creation, lives inside of you, then you begin to understand exactly what you are capable of and what exactly God is capable of doing through you. What a powerful work of grace uh, that, that happened on the cross. But that powerful work happened also in his resurrection, in the God's whose spirit dwells in you. That is the same spirit that brought Jesus to life, redeemed all of creation. This, the, we, we don't recognize enough. All of history, every single day, every single moment of your life is looked at through the lens that Jesus died on the cross 2,000 years ago. And what scripture is telling us in this moment is that the same spirit that did that momentous work, that work that will never, uh, nothing will ever compare with it because all of creation was redeemed in that moment, that spirit lives in you. Stop discounting yourself. Stop with this double-mindedness. Stop with this hanging on to the riches, with this hanging on to the flesh. We look at this rich man in, in scripture and we think, what a fool. Jesus was telling him exactly what he needed to do to be made perfect, but then we go and we hang on to things ourselves. Stop discounting yourself. If you were insufficient for your own salvation, uh, why do you think that you're more sufficient for this, this one area of your life? We don't depend on God for one thing. We don't depend on God for some things and not others. We depend wholly upon God. We depend on God for our sin when we allow him to come into our life to, to, to make us right, but then we don't allow God to work in our marriages. We don't allow God to work in our families. We allow him for growth in some areas of our faith, but not others. God can work miracles in you and through you, and you will be astounded to see what happens, but it requires that you seek the Holy Spirit not only at the altar on a Sunday, 
but that you continue to come up and, and, and not only pr- ask for prayer for healing when you need it, of course, I'm not discouraging that once again, but it requires us to depend on God daily and allow the Holy Spirit that is our paraclete, the one who comes alongside, that is with us at all times, to cover each and every facet of your living. I'm going to close, but I'm, I'm going to close with something a little different than something we ever do here at church. Because oftentimes I find that when I preach, I give a benediction and I send you on your way. But what I want to do today is specifically, I want to challenge you. I want you to do something uncomfortable in this moment, and I want you to think of an area of your life that needs more of the Holy Spirit. We're going to pause and we're going to think about, and we're going to allow the Holy Spirit to put upon our heart. We're going to allow him to urge us, to, to, to tell us what we need to begin to work on. Perhaps it's a relationship that needs mending. Perhaps it's a sin that's at the back of, of your, your life, that, that dark area that you don't let anybody else see that needs correction. What weakness do you have? What are you insufficient to do, but you keep trying? What prideful area are you withholding because you think you can handle it? I don't know what's going on in your lives. I'd like to think that I'm connected with a lot of you and that I, I'm praying for the things that you guys need, but I don't know like the Holy Spirit does. I don't know exactly what's going on uh, at home. I don't know what's going on at work. I don't know what's going on in your faith walk, what you guys need, but the Holy Spirit does. And so I believe he's going to urge you in this moment. uh, And you need to ask yourself, what facet of your life needs less of you and more of the Holy Spirit? I like to do this thing often where I take the phone, or I take out my phone, and in the section where there's notes, uh, I'll, I'll leave myself a little reminder. Something I need to be working on in this season. Sometimes I'll make it the background to my phone, but, but for this, uh, we might just leave it in the, in the notes section, or if you have a journal. Essentially what I'm saying is I want you to write this down. It doesn't need to be right now, but it needs to be Uh, whatever the Holy Spirit is placing upon you. And I want you to pray over it and pray not just in this one moment for a miraculous help from God that it would go away, but for continual daily covering. See how God begins to work in your life when you allow him. And when God has begun to work in that area, in whatever number of days or whatever number of weeks or months, I want you to ask yourself again, What area of my life needs the Holy Spirit now? This is perfection. This is how we are made whole. This is how we enter into right living with God. When we continue to ask and we continually ask the Holy Spirit to come and cover our lives, this is the pursuit of daily living in in the Spirit. And as we begin to do that, we'll see how our lives are made perfect, our lives are made right. And then what do you want to do? This incredible thing that's in me, I need somebody else to experience that too, somebody who doesn't know the Lord. And so you begin to ask yourself, how do I operate in the Holy Spirit to do kingdom work as well? As I close to pray, I want you to begin thinking about what it is that needs the Holy Spirit and begin to write it down so that this isn't just a message that you hear and agree with, but I want you guys to see this message working in your own lives. And so I'm gonna close in prayer, but I want you guys to close and and pray with me. 
God, this is the area. God, you know. You already know. Cover this for me. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, I just pray in this moment that, that each and every single one of these people, Lord, whatever it is that is going on in their lives, whoever hears this message, whether it be in this room now uh, or in a number of months when somebody clicks on the video, Lord, whoever it is that is hearing at this moment, they need more of you. They need your covering. They need your, your Holy Spirit to enter as the paraclete, to come alongside, that we would stop treating you as, as the miracle worker, that we would stop treating you as the, the faith healer, but we would start treating you as the one who wants to cover each and every single thing, who wants to live alongside us and to, to come into our lives and make us right that we would be sold out for you, that there would be no uh, corner, there would be no inch, no facet of our own being that is without you. Lord, that we would surrender ourselves today to this Holy Spirit, to this living in the Spirit that brings blessing, that brings uh, glory. And Lord, that as we do so, uh, we would begin to, to bring glory to your name and that we would begin to further your kingdom as we live in the Holy Spirit, that we would begin to demonstrate faith abundant, and see how your Holy Spirit, which multiplied the disciples, which, which brought Jesus back to life, that, that spirit that lives inside of me, I'll begin to allow it to operate in my own life and see the miraculous things that take place, how in one day, 15 uh, or, or, or 12 disciples would, would speak in tongues and be made into 3,000 that, Lord, in our own lives, that each and every single day we see how one life can become two when we have the faith to step out, when the Holy Spirit tells us to talk to that stranger, pray for this person. When we go out this Saturday and we begin to share Bibles and, and, and care for those who, who need it, that we become motivated by the Holy Spirit, the fruit of love for others. Lord, I just pray that you would cover our lives and, and that, Lord, that you would be preeminent in each and every single one. Lord, I pray these things in your name. Amen. Amen. I'm going to welcome the, the worship team back up. We'll, we'll close in, in worship and, and praise. And in your spirit, begin to worship God. Amen. Hallelujah. Praise God. I just thank God that we don't operate by his word. Hey, thanks for joining us. We hope you enjoyed the sermon. Just want you to know you can find full live stream services on our website, lighthouseniagara.com.